Let's go ahead. If you have your Bibles, open them to Luke chapter 2. So uh, we're taking a week off from Thessalonians. We will finish Thessalonians on the 31st. Uh, but today we're going to spend some time looking at the good news proclaimed to the shepherds at the birth of Jesus. But what I want to do really quickly before we dive in, uh, y'all probably notice there's a lot more uh, younger kids in the room this morning. So our CK3 class is in here uh, and uh, our others will come at the end of our time today when we light the Christ candle and, and close out with uh, the candlelit service and sing together. And so what I'm going to do up front is I'm just going to go ahead and work through the announcements, okay? Uh, So, uh, if you're a guest with us, thanks for being here today. What we would ask from you is if you could fill out one of our connection cards, take it to the welcome table on your way out. Uh, They will give you a a Royer's Pie as a way to say thank you for being here today. We're glad you're here. Uh, So make sure to fill out one of those cards. Uh, Next, we want to invite you to give. Uh, End of year giving is upon us, so if you need to make an end of year year donation for tax purposes or just to maybe to catch up for the year, uh, man, we want to man ask that you do that uh, before the 31st. Uh, there's four ways you can do that. Also, um, we shared last week, we had a student mission fund that we started about three or four weeks ago. Uh, and as of last Sunday, uh, we met that. And so, man, praise the Lord. We raised 15K uh, for our students to go to camp. And to, yeah, the students are excited about that. Um, and for us to have some more margin for uh, giving towards local, regional, global missions. And so, uh, but you can still give there if you would like, uh, over and above that number. Uh, but also you can just give regular tithes and offerings. Uh, next Sunday, uh, we will have, again, our normal gathering. But our center kids are going to have pajama Sunday. Uh, and so, uh, kiddos, man, come in pajamas. Uh, y'all are going to play games, uh, different things. I think Macy's got all kinds of stuff set up for y'all next Sunday uh, for center kids. Uh, and then uh, next, we have Velocity Gymnastics has opened their gym on January 7th from 3 to 5. Uh, we're calling it Jumping Into the New Year. Uh, and so everyone can uh, show up there. It's free of charge. Uh, kids can uh, run around, jump around. Maybe parents too, I don't know. Uh, and uh, climb the rope, see how macho you are. Uh, and uh, But we're going to be hanging out there just as a way to kick off the new year. Uh, let the kids get some energy out after the holidays. Uh, and so, man, join us for that uh, uh, on the 7th from 3 to 5. Uh, there are a lot of announcements today. So, uh, next, men's equip. We are breaking until after the new year, uh, but when the new year kicks off, I believe it's on January the 9th, we will actually start uh, two men's equips. So we will have our regular morning men's equip at 6 a.m. upstairs here above the gym. Uh, and so, and then we will have one on Tuesday evenings at 6.30 that'll meet at the church offices on 1717 Lorraine Street. And so, men, we want to invite you to that. Uh, we're kicking off. We're going to be reading through just the New Testament this year. Uh, so we're going to be processing that all year long. Uh, and then we're trying to read five books over this year, one chapter a day throughout the whole year. And so we're going to begin with one some of you have already read, Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness, a.k.a. the pamphlet. Uh, and so if you have that, uh, man, get ready. We'll, uh, I'll be sending out all the reading plan stuff on GroupMe. If you're not on GroupMe, let me know so I can get you on our men's equip group me. But if you need a book, I'll have them next Sunday. You can grab one or just let me know and I can get one to you uh, before we kick that off after the new year. 
Uh, basics class is coming up on the 21st of January. That'll be our, our partners uh, class. So we, what we do, we try to do it on a monthly basis where uh, you can learn who we are, what we believe, and what we expect from our partners. So uh, we'll have a sign-up for that uh, beginning next Sunday, but we just wanted to get the word out to you so you could put that on your calendar if you need to go through kind of our membership part. We call it partnership here. So, uh, And then lastly, again, something to put on the calendars. We're doing a marriage retreat overnight retreat at the Calvary at Bryan College Station. Uh, we're bringing in some friends that are going to be doing a couple of sessions for us. So uh, we will uh, be getting that information out soon so you can get signed up for that as well. Whew. But with that out of the way, what I want to do is I just want to take a little bit of time this morning to look at the story uh, specifically in Luke 2 of the shepherds because I believe that their story is one that should not only bring hope to our lives as followers of Jesus, it should actually uh, really embolden us as followers of Jesus to really do three things during this season and every season. And so the first thing I believe that this story should do today is that it should move us to constantly remind ourselves and one another that the gospel is the only hope for life and living. That that when we hear stories as we read in Luke 2 today, what we're going to hear, I pray that we're impacted, that we're not only impacted, we're emboldened to then constantly be reminding ourselves of this good news that it is our only hope for life and living. And that, man, in the midst of the, the craziness that surrounds us right now with the holidays, uh, one thing is we need to remind one another of that. Amen? And so as we do that, what we're doing in that moment is reminding ourselves that there's no better news than the gospel. I mean, that's why Center Church, we named it what it is, is because, man, we are a church that is centered upon the good news. Everything flows from the gospel. That Jesus came, he lived, he died, he rose again, right? And and so, uh, man, I I think that that's something that as we read that, we, man, we need to be reminded of that. Because how many of you right now, like, as you've, uh, man, today's Christmas Eve, like, you already feel a bit frantic, a bit overwhelmed. Maybe you're already tired. Maybe there's just some anxiety building because uh, whether it's uh, tonight, tomorrow, or in the coming days, you're going to have to, uh, man, get together with some people from a lot for a long period of time, uh, and maybe some conversations are going to be had. Maybe you're going to have to play some games, and maybe uh, you need to check your heart, or maybe the person you're going to be playing games with they need to check their heart. Uh, and so you already kind of feel that, man, that anxiety and that angst just kind of building, right? And so even as you sit here, maybe uh, you're, you're, even the struggle is, okay, as soon as this is over, I've got to go here, here, and here. I've got to make sure I get the last minute gift. I've got to make sure I get the last bit of food that we need. Uh, maybe you're sitting here like all you can think about is, is that candle going to last? Uh, and so, uh, but we find ourselves like wrestling in this season. Like for, for those in the room, like parents, how are we doing? Right? Like, we're three days in for us, okay? And there was a moment yesterday when we were driving around town, and I looked at Haley, and I said, what are we going to do? It's only three days. Been out of school for three days. And, man, I love my children, but I love school, right? I love school. And for some of you, you're like, hey, don't even talk to me because y'all do CC or Legacy or Citadel. And you're like, we've been out for a while, right? And so, hey, I feel for you. Um, and then lastly, where are my teachers at? We need to learn to pay y'all more uh, because, man, y'all do the work of the Lord. Um, so, 
uh, man, we, we all feel this though. And so we have to be diligent in, 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 again, whether it's the, 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 the holiday season or man, after January one, right? When we gear up and we're jumping into all the goals that we've set to keep the main thing, the main thing. You see, this season is about the gift that came to save, not presents that will come and go in a few weeks or months that you'll move on to the next thing. Now, some of you kids will be like, no, like, because if I really get this present this year, I'll be satisfied. I won't need anything else. Guess what? Like in a couple of weeks, a couple of months, like you'll probably be longing and looking for something else because guess what? That can't satisfy. It can't save you. But the gospel is a daily reality that is not simply informative, but tangibly impactful to our daily living and our eternal perspective. And so we have to keep reminding ourselves of the good news. And as we look at the Advent story, what we find is that the good news that came was, we're going to see it in the text today, good news of great joy that was both proclaimed, but it was also experienced. And I believe, man, to to have a full understanding of the gospel, you need both. You see, because joy, as we see in the text today, is proclaimed, but also joy is experienced. And that experience is not a box check, right? Like you're like, okay, it's Christmas, they're gonna be lighting candles today, and so I've gotta, I gotta check that box for the year. Like that's, that's not the experience I'm talking about. If that's where you find yourself today, then I'm glad you're here, but I believe it's so much more. I believe that the experience that we see is not a bucket list that we check off, but something that actually affects you so deeply that it changes your heart and the directory of your life. That, that's what the good news of the God, it is so, it is that powerful. That it, it not only gives you life, but it changes your heart and the very trajectory of your life. I mean, if it doesn't, If it doesn't, if it hasn't, it may be news, but it's not good news. It may bring you happiness, but it won't provide joy. And so in light of this proclaiming experience, we in turn are to follow in step with these two shepherds in Luke 2 by calling others to the same through two things. Proclamation. And then praying that they too would experience the life-changing good news of great joy. And so with that before us, let's look now at Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 14. So this is on the hill, if you look at the first seven verses of Jesus' birth. It says this, beginning in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
Okay, so what we see in the text is that on the night Jesus was born, a group of shepherds find themselves watching over their flock by night. So really, these shepherds are just doing what they're supposed to do. This is their job, right? They are to oversee and take care of these sheep. And so as we read it, at first glance, it's like, well, what's the big deal? It's just shepherds. You see, the thing about it is all of this is a big deal. And it begins that, that Jesus, man, that he came, he put on flesh and he was born as a baby. Not in a palace, but in a stable. But also, when we think about just the, the, the reality of the shepherds being the first to know, man, it's a big deal. But you see, the temptation is to hear this and just move on. But you see, as a people who are both to experience and proclaim the, good, the great joy of this gospel... The way this story begins, man, it should blow our minds. And it should set our hearts on fire. Because it's the story of God using unexpected people for the purpose of making his name known. And so let me share what I mean by unexpected people. Because the shepherds, man, they were just that. Like like if you were to ask anybody during this time period, who would be the first to know the shepherds would probably be the last that they would say. Shepherds were considered the lowest class in Jewish society. They were looked down upon by the religious Jews of their day, mostly because, man, they didn't have time to keep up with all the laws, all the ceremonial washings and everything. Man, they were dealing with sheep day in, day out. Even at night, they're overseeing and protecting these sheep. And so, man, they were dirty. They were filthy. They lived out, you know, they lived on the land. They couldn't keep up with the demands of the law. But you see, the reality was, even the religious couldn't keep up with the demands of the law. They just thought they could. Shepherds could not hold public office. Shepherds were were thought so little of that their testimony was not admissible in court as evidence. And I think this is really neat because uh, what you see is that Jesus' birth, the, the first that are told about it, that find out about it, their testimony wasn't admissible in court. And guess what? When Jesus resurrects, guess who the first people that find out about it? Women. And in this day and age, women's testimony wasn't admissible in court. But God doesn't care. God says, no, I'm going to use them. I'm going to use those that you say are weak to, man, to confound those that believe themselves to be strong. Most people thought that shepherds were really just liars and cheats. They, they, if a shepherd came to you and tried to sell you a sheep, most would say, no, I'll go to the marketplace and get it from somebody else. And the reality is, is they're not too far off because oftentimes shepherds would take sheep and they would, they would be contracted out by an owner of, of a flock and they would say, okay, we'll take them out to the, to, to, to this place so they can graze. And what would happen is these sheep would have baby lambs and as, uh, there would be no way to mark them. And so these shepherds would take those baby lambs and they would then sell them to make their own profit. And so everyone would look at shepherds and they would look at them with disgust. And so it's this view of shepherds before us. Let me, let me, with this view of shepherds before us, let me share why I believe that this is important for us to know when it comes to proclaiming and experiencing the good news. You see, the message of the good news of Christ's birth comes not to those who consider themselves to be good or self-sufficient. Man, the shepherds, they would have known who they were. They would have known how people viewed them. 
But he doesn't come to the self-sufficient. But to those who sense they have a need and they can't provide for themselves. You see, Jesus was born again, not in a castle or a palace, but in a, a, a stable, in, in a feed trough. And, and he came for the sick and needy. And guess what? This is good news because according to Scripture, we are all sick and needy. You see, if you're going to hear this good news proclaimed, but if you're going to experience this good news, you have to begin with this reality. You have to begin with the reality that you have a need that you cannot fill. If you ever hope to experience joy. And so the shepherds are watching their flock by night. The the belief by some commentators is that these very shepherds in Bethlehem, uh, due to their proximity to Jerusalem, might have actually been watching over the flocks of sheep that would be used for sacrifice in the temple. And so they're watching over, if that's true, and again, uh, by pretty much every commentator I read as I studied, they said this, then these shepherds, the ones that would hear about the true Lamb of God that would come take away the sins of the world, are watching over those that would be sacrificed in the temple. The text says they're watching their flock by night. Again, uh, we we have trouble experiencing what night actually is unless you go out to, I don't know, deep west Texas (laughs) where there's nothing. We can't escape light, right? And even then, what do we have with us in our pocket? We've got light. We've got a smartphone. But they're, they're, they're watching over these lights in the dead of night. And then, boom, an angel of the Lord appears. We go from night to this bright light. It says that the glory of God surrounds the shepherds. That word for glory there is weight. The very weight of God shows up and it's heavy. What we see is the initial response is that these shepherds are filled with fear, which if you read through Scripture, every time angels of the Lord show up, man, what happens? They're filled with great fear. Some even fall over as if they're dead. That's a typical response. But what we see immediately is that the the angel seeks to calm their fears. By telling them to fear not and to pay attention because he brings them good news of great joy for all people. You see, what we find here is what we see later that that John writes about in 1 John chapter 4. When he says, look, in Christ, which Jesus is the embodiment of love, that perfect love casts out, casts away all fear. You see, this is what the angel is doing in this moment. He's saying, hey, look, you fear, and yes, you should be in awe. You should have a healthy fear of God, because guess what? He is creator, and you are created, but I bring you good news of great joy for all people. The next thing I love about this is what the the angel says. He says, I bring this. You see, the angel just doesn't come with nothing. No, it brought them the good news. It doesn't mean that the angel just came to them and set this before them and said, Good luck, I hope it's good. The phrase to bring here is to proclaim and to present one with the reality of that which is good. And so really what the angel does is it goes and it proclaims a picture of the gospel. This is similar to what our response is to be at Christ's command in Matthew 28 when Jesus says, Go, 
make disciples. What he's saying in that moment is, just as the angel came and proclaimed to the shepherds, we, as God's people, are to go and do the same thing. We are to proclaim this good news of great joy. Which again is exactly what it is, because it's not just some news. He says it's good, but then he says, man, it's, it's of great joy. Meaning that this news is ultimate news. But not only is it ultimate news, it's everlasting news. Jonathan Pennington in his commentary on this good news of great joy shares that it is a message of joy because a Savior and Lord has arrived to save and reign over us, including, as we see next, even those not born of Jewish descent. Therefore, the gospel, when proclaimed, is meant to elicit joy when experienced. But what is joy? Well, joy, by definition, is the inward feeling of deep contentment that bursts forth in rejoicing and praise. It's something that happens inside of you that that when it happens, man, it can't help but come out. So, So it's way, it's far greater than happiness. I feel so often we try to tie those two things together, but they don't match. No, we're happy. Usually happiness is based on something that's just outside of us. I watch a movie, I hear a song, I, you know, I, 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 I experience something and then boom, I'm happy, right? No, but joy begins inside and it wells up and then it bursts forth. This is what's happening in the text. So what was this good news of great joy? Well, the the text says, the angel says that today in Bethlehem a Savior was born. What the angel declares here is that one greater than Caesar has been born. The ultimate king who would bring peace and justice to the entire world has come. Christ the Lord, the Messiah, the promised one. If you read the Jesus Storybook Bible, the rescuer that it talks about all throughout that, the, the Jesus Storybook Bible. If you don't have it, grab a copy on your way out. It's a phenomenal way to read through the scriptures. But it talks over and over again, but guess what? Once to come, the rescuer will come. This is who the angel proclaims. Jesus is the one. He says, look, if you don't believe me, oh, I smell fire. Hey, will you check that real quick? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Where was I? He says, this is the sign. He says, don't go to a palace. Don't go to the temple. Go to a stable in town. You'll find him swaddled and lying in a manger. So joy, according to the text, centers not in something you can earn or possess. No, the focus is that joy has come as a gift in the form of a baby lying in a manger. Guess what? You can spend your whole life pursuing joy. Trying to find it. You can have experience after experience after experience. But guess what? It's only found in Jesus. And so the angel shares all this overwhelming news. You see, the angel comes and says, no, he he proclaims joy to them. And then it says that a multitude of heavenly hosts. Now, that's not like five or a hundred or like a multitude is like they, they, they describe it as thousands. Of heavenly hosts join in proclaiming 
Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so what we see here is that upon Christ's birth, joy is proclaimed. But it is not enough for joy to be proclaimed. Because you see, for joy to truly be joy, it must be experienced. And so let's look now at verses 15 through 20. It says this. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Verse 20. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. All right, so following the proclamation of joy to the shepherds, it says they go in haste. You see, when it comes to ultimate joy, there is no time to waste. We will make time for and go after what we will believe will give us joy. And so as you think about your life, and this is where we can get some interaction here, what are some things in your life that you have gone after with haste in the hopes that it will bring you ultimate joy? It's your turn. I've talked a lot. Louder? Relationships. What else? Stuff. What else? Come on, y'all know what they are. Anybody chase a job for joy? Money for joy? Presents for joy? Right? I see y'all staring at them under your tree. Like we chase these things. But guess what? Like you hear those things and you're like, well, that's not bad. They're not, but they're not ultimate. But we make them that way. Like just think about like if you're, if you're married to like, uh, like your spouse. Like that's one of the things, like man, that's a good thing. Like Haley brings me great joy. But she can't give me ultimate joy. Your job, it can bring you great joy. Man, we are called to be a people. We've already talked, like, we're called to work. Like, work wasn't a product of the fall, right? Toil and labor and hardship along the way were. But it can't give you ultimate joy. Money can't give you ultimate joy. Presents, like, gifts are great, but they won't last. But guess what? Kids, Jesus will. Good things cannot bring the ultimate joy that we need. Therefore, may we, for the first time or the first time in a long time, go in haste to that which provides joy. You see, this is what the shepherds do. For when they arrive, they realize that it is not enough to hear joy proclaimed. They experience the tangible reality of joy in Jesus. Look at their response when they saw it. We see it in 17 and 20. First, they experience joy. It says actually they leave glorifying and praising God, right? But they also go and tell any and all who would listen about this good news. You see, this is what the gospel does. Joy is proclaimed, joy is experienced, and then it leads to the proclamation of joy to others. 
Man, people should not be able to shut up our joy. But the sad reality is we often allow ourselves to be silenced by louder voices proclaiming fleeting happiness and can even become distracted by false projections masked as such, right? But guess what? Like, you'll talk about what you love. If you know me, like, I'll talk about the Texas Rangers all day. I love them. And right now, they're worth talking about. Not ultimately, though. Like, you'll talk about what you love. Because it marks you and it brings you joy. And so today, like, think about your life right now. Like, what are you talking about? Like, take stock of it. And again, it can be good things. But I would also encourage you, ask others about what they experience you talking about. Is it good news of great joy? Or is it gossip, complaining, um, (laughs) impatience, anger, you know, loud talk, yelling, uh, demeaning, fear, right? Again, you can even talk about a lot of good things but never get to the ultimate thing. Like people can be around you and they, you, you can talk about everything that's going on in your life, but they never get the hope of the gospel. They only get some kind of relative moralism that if I'm just better or if I have this or if I can attain to that, then maybe I can be like you. And really you're just kind of uh, inadvertently puffing yourself up. Or do you find yourself saying, no, look, this is what Jesus has done. This is what the Lord has done. This is what God, when's the last time you told somebody what God is doing in your life? And if it's been a long time, it's either because, man, you're so distracted by talking about other things, or maybe you just haven't been pursuing Jesus and you haven't experienced that joy in a long time. You see, we're called to be a people who experience and proclaim the joy that is only found in Jesus. It's a reality for you to proclaim joy. But guess what? And listen, I want you to hear this. It is a a reality for you to proclaim it. But first, you must experience it. Like if you're going to proclaim it, you first have to experience it. I thought this was just so helpful and eye-opening this week from a guy named Arkin Hughes. He says that it's not enough to hear about Jesus. It wasn't enough for the shepherds to peek in the manger and say, Oh, how nice, what a lovely scene, it gives me such good feelings. The truth, Kent says, is that even if Christ were born in Bethlehem a thousand times, but if He's never born within you, you are eternally lost. The Christ who was born into the world must be born in your heart. Religious sentiment, false experience, even at Christmas time without the living Christ, is a yellow brick road to darkness. Therefore, go in haste. Hear the good news proclaimed today, but my prayer is that you would experience it, and then you would go and proclaim it. So today, don't be misled believing that you can simply look at the manger and say, oh, how nice. 
You can, and the reason you can't is because the manger sets in motion the reality of what Christ did to pay for the sins of the world upon the cross, and you can't separate the two. You can't love the manger and yet never give any thought to the cross of Jesus. Because guess what? The manger didn't save us. The cross did. Therefore, to have joy, we have to find joy in Christ's life in His death and resurrection, while also holding the tension that apart from an experience of the Spirit's work of revealing sin, bestowing grace, you'll find no joy now or eternally. So today, I proclaim to you, turn in haste to the one who provides joy. It's only found in Jesus. Now, you can wait a few more minutes until we're done, and you can go out and try to find it out there. But you're not going to find it. Unless it's Jesus. You can hope to find it in the presence, in the family time, in the food, in the naps. Maybe for you it's in the, you just continue to work. And those can be really good things. But they all, they do two things. One, they direct us to, man, we have a deeper need that only Jesus can provide. And two, they should reflect to us that, man, He is the one we look to in all things. That actually He helps us understand the reality that, man, the gifts are good, but we look to the greatest gift. The family is good, but man, like as a part of Christ's family, like no matter how jacked up this next few days are, no matter how crazy it gets or how good it is, And Jesus has called us into his family. No matter how big your bonus is, guess what? January 1 is going to come around and man, that quote is going to be there. But Jesus has already paid it all. Every day. So go in haste to the one who provides joy. And so today, if you hear that, man, today, if, that's the, if you're hearing this for the first time, man, I encourage you to experience that joy. If you want to know what joy is like with life in Christ, man, come talk to me. Maybe you came and you're visiting and you know somebody here that knows Jesus. Ask them. But maybe you find yourself today, and man, it's just been a long time since you've experienced the joy of Jesus because, man, you just, you just kind of been going through life and you're looking for joy in other things. Not ultimately, but in the moment. So I encourage you to remember and experience the joy of life in Christ and then go and tell others. So I'm going to have Kristen come back up. And she's going to just play as we share in communion. And then following communion, we're going to have the other kiddos and people come in. And uh, we're going to light the Christ candle. And we'll close out our time with singing uh, about the reality that Jesus came and is the light of the world. Uh, And so I want to invite you to a time of response as we uh, prepare to share in communion. If you need to take a moment uh, before coming forward, uh, man, I invite you to do that. Uh, But if you're a follower of Jesus, man, we want to invite you to the table today. Whether you're a partner or a visitor, if you're a follower of Jesus, redeemed by the blood, if you experience this joy, man, we invite you to the table to receive the elements. You'll come down the middle. If I can go ahead and get those that are going to be presenting the elements this morning. They're going to be handing out the bread and the cup. And as they hand it out, uh, man, it is a reminder that Jesus came. 
But the Word put on flesh. He was born in a, in a stable, right? But that He didn't stay there. That He lived the life we couldn't live. Died the death we deserved to die. But He rose in victory. So we share in that together. And so we invite you to come, receive the elements, and then grab a seat. And I'll lead us in the sharing of communion. But today, man, if you're sitting there and you're wrestling, you're like, man, I haven't experienced this joy. Man, we'd ask that you abstain, but that again, you talk to someone. Because we want you to understand what this really means before you take it. Because it was a costly thing. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, and then you all can make your way down the middle and then back, take a seat, and I'll lead us in a moment sharing a communion. Jesus, we thank you that you came as the good news of great joy. The only news that brings great joy. And so Father, I pray now for for everyone in the room, Lord, that we would experience that joy in you and you alone. That our hope would rest in you, that we would find peace, satisfaction, that we would experience the love that only you bring, that gives us life and, and transforms our living. So for any in the room that don't know you, God, I pray that as the good news was proclaimed today, that they would experience that. And Lord, that that, that your spirit would convict and they would find life in you. And God, for those in the room that that, that love you, that know you, uh, God, but uh, maybe feel dry and worn thin. God, that they would experience deeply of your joy today that we would be impacted by this in such a way that we would leave here today proclaiming this good news to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.